This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. How about a quick word from our new corporate partner, Kepler Education? Kepler Education is an online marketplace for classical Christian education and it assures parents maintain their agency without forfeiting the assistance and expertise that qualified conservative Christian teachers. Kepler offers university model courses in the classical tradition that fit your schedule and budget. Visit Kepler dot education that's www.keplereducation and use their simple search tool to find the course and teacher that meets your child's needs or simply ask for help to get assistance from a real human being that's www.keplereducation now let's get to the news talks underway to extend israel hamas ceasefire as return to fighting looms talks are underway to extend the temporary ceasefire in gaza with hamas and israel both saying that they would like to see further releases of hostages in return for freedom for more palestinians held in israeli jails but the ceasefire is due to expire threatening a return to the bloody fighting and bombardment that has devastated swaths of gaza killed many thousands of civilians and caused an acute humanitarian crisis. The third release of prisoners and mostly Israeli hostages held in Gaza by Hamas took place without major problems on Sunday night. Israel and Hamas have each raised concerns over the list of hostages and Palestinian prisoners. Israel and Hamas have each raised concerns over the list of hostages and Palestinian prisoners due to be released on Monday, which Qatari mediators are now working to resolve. Quote, there is a slight issue with today's lists. The Qataris are working on both sides to avoid delays, an official brief on the matter said. 17 hostages were released by Hamas on Sunday, including a Russian national and three Thai nationals. The Israelis were all women and children. 39 Palestinian prisoners, mostly children, were freed from Israeli jails, according to authorities. Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli prime minister, said he did not want to end the ceasefire, but pledged that Israel would resume its military offensive in Gaza at the end of the truce. The prime minister, who has promised Israelis will crush Hamas, said he would welcome an extension to allow the release of 10 additional hostages every day in return for freedom for 30 Palestinian prisoners, as agreed under the original deal. Israeli officials insist they will not call off their offensive until they are certain that Hamas no longer poses a threat to Israel. Joe Biden said on Sunday that his administration would continue to remain personally engaged to see that this deal is fully implemented and work to extend the deal as well. Local media in Israel reported optimism among senior officials that the truce, which was a result of several weeks of complex indirect negotiations mediated by the U.S., Qatar, and Egypt, would be extended. 62 of the more than 240 hostages held by Hamas since last month have been released. One hostage was freed by Israeli forces and two were found dead inside Gaza. A total of 117 Palestinians have been freed since the truce began. Between 13,000 and 15,000 Palestinians have been killed by the Israeli offensive launched after the Hamas attack, roughly two-thirds of them women and children, according to the health ministry in Hamas-ruled Gaza, which is basically Hamas's health industry. More than one million people have been forced from their homes. The UN said the truce has made it possible to scale up the delivery of food, water, and medicine to the largest volume since the start of the war, but the 160 to 200 trucks a day is still less than half of what Gaza was importing before the fighting, while humanitarian needs have soared. Details have emerged to the conditions of the detention of some hostages. Local media has reported shortages of food and medicine and cramped accommodation possibly underground, but no physical mistreatment. According to one report, a former hostage was told his friends that his captors had brought other children to play with him while he was in captivity. 
Some learned of the fate of relatives from Hebrew language radio networks they could listen to. Two teenagers learned that their mother had been killed and that their father remained missing only when released. Call from the hostages' families to prioritize their release have sharpened the dilemma facing Israel's leaders as they seek to reconcile the military offensive with the goal of freeing all of the captives. Elsewhere, lack of affirmation is child abuse. New Biden rule applies transgender standard to foster care. The transgender standard is set to become a litmus test for parenthood, according to the logic of a new policy working its way through the Department of Health and Human Services under President Joe Biden. A new rule in HHS Administration for Children and Families would apply the idea that any lack of affirmation constitutes a form of child abuse to foster care placements. Once that idea takes root in foster care, child protective services agencies might start applying it more broadly. The rule would reinterpret the Social Security Act, which requires agencies to ensure that each child in foster care receives safe and proper care. The rule would lay out steps agencies must take to meet that requirement for LGBTQI plus children, defined as kids who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning intersex, as well as children who are non-binary or have non-conforming gender identity or expression. Before agencies place a child with a foster parent known as a provider, that person must establish an environment free of hostility, mistreatment, or abuse based on the child's LGBTQI plus status receive training to be prepared for the appropriate knowledge and skills to provide for the needs of the child related to the child's self-identified sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression, and must be able to facilitate the child's access to age-appropriate resources, services, and activities that support their health and well-being, end quote. The Ethics and Public Policy Center's Rachel Morrison pointed out that the Federalist Society, the rule does not define hostility, mistreatment, or abuse. However, it does clarify a provider who attempted to undermine, suppress, or change the sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression of a child, including through the use of so-called conversion therapy, would not be a safe and appropriate placement. The proposed rule cites medical associations such as the American Psychological Association to claim that efforts to undermine, suppress, or change sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression are not supported by evidence and have been rejected as harmful. The rule does not acknowledge that gender ideology has infiltrated these medical associations and that many doctors, including those who once embraced gender ideology, have warned against confusing children on their gender and putting them on a path to mutilating their own bodies. Dr. Stephen B. Levine, a psychiatrist and early proponent of transgender medical interventions, joined and briefly helped lead the Harry Benjamin International Gender Dysphoria Association, which later became the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, the central medical group that organizations such as the American Psychiatric Association rely on. European countries, long considered more progressive than the U.S., have found a lack of evidence for medical interventions on children and are recommending a watchful waiting approach for minors. Yet Levine argues that affirming a transgender identity is a powerful psychotherapeutic intervention that will set kids on the path to mutilation and sterilization long before they have any concept about what their own fertility means. Under Biden's proposed new rule, any potential foster parent who aims to protect a child from this confusion and damage may soon face expulsion from the program. That means the process will be designed to weed out guardians who actually would take good care of the kids and enable guardians who would assist in harming them. California's Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill turning California into a sanctuary state for gender-affirming care, which the law defines as an absolute right. 
The law gives California courts the ability to award custody over a child if someone removes the child from his or her parents in another state in order to obtain such care for that child despite the parents' disagreement. And moving on, businesses ditch diversity initiatives in droves amid economic uncertainty. Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, or DEI, initiatives lost steam in 2023 compared to previous years as companies increasingly shift resources due to tightening economic conditions. The total percentage of American organizations with a DEI budget dropped 4 percentage points from 58% in 2022 to 54% in 2023, while the number of organizations with a DEI strategy fell nine points in that same time frame, according to a report from a consulting firm. DEI initiatives in the workplace gained huge traction following the death of George Floyd, which encouraged companies to divert resources into the practice. But now, external forces, including tightening economic conditions, as well as public and judicial pressure, are pushing back on those efforts. After two years of unprecedented investment sparked by 2020's racial justice movement, this year, global momentum around DEI slowed, according to the same report. There are a number of headwinds contributing to this shift. The first is economic uncertainty that not only led to reduced spending across the board, it also firmly shifted the power of balance back to employers. Despite the decline in funding, there was a six-point increase in the number of companies that had a senior DEI leader and an eight-point increase in organizations that had goals related to representation for women in leadership from 2022 to 23. This, according to that same report, a total of 20% of companies in 2023 had goals related to increasing employment related to race or ethnicity, which is a four-point increase year over year. The shift shows concerns from companies that the Supreme Court could target DEI and race-based hiring in the workplace the same way it struck down race-based admissions at colleges and universities earlier this year. A pair of decisions by the Supreme Court in June involving Harvard and the University of North Carolina cumulatively ruled that using race as a factor in college admissions is not permissible under the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Only 26% of companies examine the final results of hiring by race or ethnicity, while 33% analyze promotions in the same manner, according to that report. Around 36% of organizations measured the attrition rate of their employees by race or ethnicity. Businesses pulled back from hiring in October, adding only 150,000 jobs for the month compared to 297,000 in September, while unemployment ticked up to 3.9% from 3.8%. The leading economic index predicted that 2024 will only see 0.8% in the U.S. economy due to a possible recession. And now we go to New York. Speaking of a recession, New York retailers lost $4.4 billion due to organized shoplifting rings this in 2022. Retailers across New York State say there's no end in sight to the rising epidemic of organized shoplifting rings and warn it could lead to more store closures, increased costs for consumers, and threats of violence against store employees. Store owners said that they lost $4.4 billion last year as a result of retail theft, which they say adds to the urgency for Governor Kathy Hochul to crack down. However, Hochul vetoed a bipartisan bill last week to the chagrin of store owners that would have created a task force to combat organized theft. Hochul rejected a proposal that would have created a 15-member panel made up of experts appointed by the governor, legislature, and the state attorney general that would have put together a list of recommendations to respond to retail theft. The Retail Council of New York State, the Albany-based lobbying group which represents retailers statewide, said it was extremely disappointed by Hochul's veto. 
Melissa O'Connor, the president and CEO of the group, released a statement saying that she urged the governors to take immediate action so as to formulate an effective collaborative response to this problem. She made it abundantly clear that the retail theft prevention will be a priority for her administration, and we look forward to working with her to achieve results, O'Connor said. A spokesperson for Hochul said that adopting the proposal would have cost the state $35 million, an expenditure that wasn't allotted in the most recent budget. Law enforcement officials from New York City to Albany to Syracuse have reported increases in incidents of retail theft, blaming the spike on progressive prosecutors who encourages criminal behavior with lenient punishment for shoplifters. Last month, the chief of police in Syracuse said that the city has seen a 55% spike in shoplifting since 2021, and that's a conservative estimate. Quote, that number is likely higher because the businesses often don't report it, but they do continue to express concerns. That was uh, Syracuse Police Chief Joe Cecil. So far this year, the Albany Police Department has fielded 23 calls for larcenies at a single Stewart's convenience store on Central Avenue, up 14 from the same time in 2022. The rash of retail thefts at the location forced the owner to shut down. A New York Police Department spokesperson pointed to a crime statistic showing that there were more than 93,000 incidents of penny larceny through the end of October, which is 29% higher compared to the same period two years ago, but 5% lower compared to the same period last year. Around one-third of all shoplifting arrests in the five boroughs last year involved just 327 people who were collectively arrested and rearrested a total of more than 6,000 times, according to NYPD. These 327 alleged shoplifters targeted 18 department stores and seven chain pharmacy locations, which accounted for 20% of all complaints, according to the NYPD. And that is your news for today. This has been your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a pub membership, a magazine subscription, or tickets to our next conference next year, head on over to FightLapFeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our conference next year, or if you want to become a corporate partner of Cross Politic, email me at Garrison at FightLapFeast.com. For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless. 